Hello, Fudusans. Welcome to a brand new episode of Fcast. Once again, I am Mayuk, and with me, I have got Orko. Hello, Orko. Hi. So uh, today, in this episode, this is going to going to be a very very special one. Uh, so we all this while we had been discussing about the players who just made this game so beautiful, in which we are going to actually talk about some of the teachers of the game, the managers, the bosses who rule the game. as we all know football is a game of tactics and strategies and mind games and all other things are very integral to the integral to the way the game runs so in this episodes we are going to so orko if you could could just give a brief about how the how this episodes will be like yeah exactly thank you mayuk and thank you to all the listeners of our podcast you have been great guys hang in there with us we'll come up with better episodes every time and like today we are with the episode of the teachers of football those who have taught us a lot about the game the various perspectives of it and it's not about just being in the game and you know letting out uh, your best starting 11 to play the game it's also about reading the game and also making tactical decisions and standing out from the crowd and those managers who have stood out in the crowd have made us fall in love with the game even much more and so today we have have with us mayuk will introduce a very ardent supporter of arsenal a gunner fan and mayuk absolutely so today uh, with us we have got uh, all the way from uh, houston texas is joining us uh sushreyo misro who happens to be uh, a kolkata guy uh, just like everyone he is a huge fan of football and today he is joining so let me welcome him first hello sushreyo hi mayuk hi orko thank you guys for calling me well, it's an honor to join show. this podcast no it's it's a, it's an absolute pleasure that you have joined us uh, managing your busy schedule and also uh, let me just introduce uh, sushreyo a bit Uh, just like i uh, said he is born and brought up in calcutta he has studied from the south uh, south point school and then he had joined uh, jadavpur university uh, and then he went on to join another prestigious educational institute that is iit roorkee so uh, from there now he is uh, he has just completed his phd from rice university and he is based in houston texas so uh, thank you so much once again and hope uh, this episode is going to be a blast thank you moyuk uh, i think most of all uh, my identity today is that of a football fan like like all of us and uh, i am really excited uh, at the work that you guys are doing and i'm uh, i'm very pumped about uh, joining this episode and let's hope this will be fun so welcome again uh, and thanks for keeping our podcast international for the second time running uh, and to start with we'll i'll ask you this the simple question that we ask to every guest that has come over to our podcast what was your beautiful game moment uh well my beautiful game moment would probably uh, be two uh first was the 1998 world cup final uh, the 1998 world cup was the first football world cup that i watched uh, uh fully knowing and understanding what is going on uh and then immediately after uh, that uh in the 99 2000 season 
there was a game between uh, Arsenal and Manchester United in which I saw Thierry Henry score a goal uh, from a volley outside the box. It's a very famous goal. It is often shown among the best goals ever scored in the English Premier League. And that is the moment that actually made me an Arsenal supporter uh, for life, which I am till today. If I'm not very, uh, if I'm not wrong, I guess both of us watched that match, match together. Uh, so we were at our maternals, and that goal, uh, we I was supporting United, and you were supporting Arsenal. So this goal just happened, and you became, became ecstatic about it. So I, I still remember the scenes. Exactly, exactly. And th- these are some of those those moments that uh, really stay with you for your lifetime. And these are the moments which make the game beautiful, and which make us fans of this beautiful game. Absolutely. So, this is the best thing about it. I mean, you two two guys are doing a podcast probably 20 years down the line. And you you are sharing a memory that the of the moment that you had shared. And the, that is the moment that you fell in love with football. It's amazing, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and that is the thing that is so special about the game that even you remember the surroundings and everything, even after 20 years. So, so, so uh, this is what makes the game so beautiful. So, coming on to the next, uh, I, I just want to know, know because uh, as we all know, uh, Arsenal is a team which which has a huge, huge fan base uh, all all around the world. So, I just want to know, uh, right, rightly, as you said that that was your beautiful game moment. I would also like to know. See, uh, that is the moment you fell in love. But what was the high point? So what was your Gunners moment? That high point that, that, yeah, this is the moment. And I am proud of the club, which I uh, have been following since uh, childhood. So when was that? Well, uh, well, that would be an easy question to answer for me because uh, uh, I think if you ask this question to any Gunners fan, they would probably refer to the 2003-04 season. So the 2003-04 season is also known as uh, the uh, season in which Arsenal were termed as the Invincibles. Uh, now, by Invincibles, uh, we are referring to the fact that Arsenal did not lose a single game in the entire uh, English Premier League season, which is an almost unprecedented feat. Uh, it happened after about 100 years in football. The last team to achieve that was uh, uh, Nottingham Forest. Right, right. And, and uh, yeah, so, so, that, so that was uh, like a remarkable achievement. And... Uh, probably the, the high point in the manager Arsene Wenger's career. So that would definitely be my high point as an Arsenal fan. But apart from that also, I would say uh, uh, the 2005-06 season when Arsenal reached the finals of the uh, Champions League, I think we played some beautiful football throughout that uh, Champions League season. And in the one game that I remember in particular was uh, our victory against Real Madrid uh, at the Bernabeu Stadium which is something that a lot of us were not expecting. And it was, it was a victory that was brought about by uh, mostly team game and the brilliance of Thierry Henry uh, at the forward line. So those are the two uh, high points of uh, being an Arsenal supporter for me personally. Absolutely. So, so uh, it's, a, it's a fact that uh, when you talk about Arsenal, uh, you just can't help, uh, but you have to talk about one man, Arsene Wenger. And uh, I just want to ask you one silly thing. Are you also one of those who believe that Arsenal, the club, uh, has been named after Mr. Arsene Wenger? Because I used to believe that in my <laughs> time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
<laughs> I mean, I think I think that is one of the most uh, uh, sort of uh, you know common urban legends. Yeah, in in, in football, uh, I think a lot of us used to believe that that uh, Arsene Wenger, uh, the the name of Arsenal was derived from Arsene Wenger. Uh, but I think it's kind of it kind of shows how uh, Arsene Wenger as a manager became synonymous with the club after a certain point in time. He was really the 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 manager who made Arsenal from a uh, from a English Premier League. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say a, a, a top team, but kind of a, a mid-table team who used to uh, win uh, not too frequently into an uh, a European giant, really. Uh, so they really put Arsenal on the on the global map. So I think uh, uh, if hundred years down the line people start believing that uh, Arsenal derived its name from Arsene Wenger, it wouldn't be very uh, sort of unfair uh, on the legacy of this great manager. Definitely. Uh, why don't you take us through his through his philosophy and through his way of playing football that that you must be so well versed with yeah so uh, the arsenal style of football as it was popularly called uh, was all about uh, uh, sort of uh, strong technique quick attacking movements not holding the ball for too long um, and it's it's a style of football that uh, uh, that uh, arsene wenger introduced into england because previously if you if we uh, follow english football in the 90s Mostly, it used to be known for a very physical style of play with long passes, and uh, it is a style of play that you would not not normally see outside of England. So, in a way, one you could say that Arsene Wenger really brought an international flavor into the style of English football, which later on a lot of other teams had imbibed. And right now, of course, we are seeing that uh, football has become a very or the style of football has become very universal. a lot of teams around, around the world that are uh, going after a very universal uh, style of football and not retaining any any particular flavor so in a way i think wenger was a man uh, maybe 20 years ahead of his time uh, so a lot of this uh, this uh, style that that wenger introduced into arsenal was actually influenced by his his upbringing so wenger act, uh, i don't know if you guys know but wenger was born in uh, a village which is uh, located on the uh, border of France and Germany it's called Strasbourg right and he grew up in a place called Dutlenheim now Dutlenheim the name itself sounds very german but interestingly it is located in France just about 20 kilometers from the border of germany so as a child he would often travel with his father into germany to watch uh, the games from the bundesliga and his earliest football influences were uh, uh, the uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach team of the 1970s which used to be a champion team and also Ajax uh, from Netherlands who used to uh, uh, play the total football uh, as we know it today under the manager Rainer uh, Michels so uh, these were the major influences in Arsene Wenger's uh, early football education and later on when he became the manager i think we see a little bit of this flavor in his style of um style of managerial uh, sort of leadership absolutely the french revolution in english football as we might say it he brought art into football uh, i i feel football was more fluid after the generation of arsen wengers and alex ferguson sir alex ferguson isn't it my 
Absolutely, and and just to add, as a United supporter, I have no problem in admitting. So Arsene Wenger was the first man to come and challenge that Manchester United side, and and uh, United was really uh, flying high those days, and suddenly a man came with with a similar kind of uh, attire which the United manager normally dons. So suddenly uh, there was some challenge, and and uh, United and and in a United versus Arsenal match. Uh, in somewhere around uh, early 2000 or 2001, I saw the Arsenal team had such a change in their body language that they were actually uh, making United to make mistakes. So, so uh, that that is the time when I saw that United were running out of options against against one particular team for 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 a couple of matches. So, so that was the effect of Arsene Wenger, according to me. I feel the French art mixed with the German great, as uh, he mentioned, that he was born in the border of Germany, and his f- footballing philosophy was much influenced by the German footballing league. Uh, so that is probably an explanation. And he, the demeanor he you spoke about, his attire, you know, a, co- a suited man standing on the touchline, uh, shouting instructions, uh, very less frequently. I mean. He hardly shouted on the field. I mean, if Arsene Wenger was standing on the touchline and shouting instructions to his on-field players, I mean, like Arsenal are really playing bad in those on those occasions. Exactly. I think I think that was very beautifully summarized by Orko when he said it's French art uh, mixed with German creed. And actually, when you mentioned about uh, the fact that Wenger rarely used to to shout, I think it also uh, uh, is a reflection on the kind of personality that Wenger was. He used to be called uh, Le Professeur, which means the professor right. in, in French. Uh, and um, he, he actually had that kind of a personality, uh, which also I, I think got reflected in the way he, he dressed and the way he carried himself in, in public and also in team meetings. So very interesting, actually, one, one of the... Yeah, go on. It was on. the British media who, I mean, who gave this nickname to him. And this was so popular among uh, even his players. I mean, he, right. as you, as you will be saying, like uh, the way he uh, used the team meetings and discussions in letting his players come up with ideas during a match, exactly. even during a match. Exactly. So, so he he really was very democratic in his style. Uh, like as one of uh, uh, one of the ex Arsenal players mentioned in an in an interview uh, with BBC that uh, ma- many managers like to hear the sound of their own voice. Uh, so uh, normally in like uh, halftime meetings or end of the game meetings, you will see managers being very vocal, shouting to bad players, uh, trying to, uh, you know, send their, their message across them. or motivate them in a certain manner. And that's not wrong. Uh, I'm not saying that's wrong. That's definitely their, their style. But uh, Wenger's personality was very different. Uh, he used to allow the players to uh, sort of shout at each other, fight with each other, let their frustrations out on each other, and then uh, sort of come to a conclusion by themselves, which allowed them to be more uh, sort of uh, you know creative and more independent. Uh, independent, exactly, with the decision making. So, so that was really his his style. And and also the fact that uh, Arsene Wenger had a great philosophy. Uh, the, uh, in case you see, the, uh, there was a once there was a very strong criticism against uh, Arsene Wenger 
and it was stated that Arsene Wenger somehow failed to stop his players from joining the rival clubs. But Arsene Wenger, as we all know, is a man of uh, very high dignity, and he never he never mixed football with politics, which I feel uh, football with club politics or anything of that sort. So, in case you can just say something about that. Yeah. So uh, I think. Uh, Arsene Wenger, in general, was not uh, a jealous type of a character, if if I if I can put it very simply. So he um, he never really uh, bothered too much about uh, players leaving the club and going to other clubs. And that is actually one of the the major criticisms of Wenger as well uh, during his twenty year tenure at Arsenal. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, very famous uh, Arsenal fans. Including the British general Piers Morgan, are very critical of Arsene Wenger for uh, failing to to actually hold on to some of the players that uh, that were formed at the academy. But then that was his style, that was his philosophy of football. Uh, one interesting fact uh, uh, that I would like to mention here is uh, that uh, one of the the players that Arsene Wenger signed very initially when he moved to Arsenal in 1996 was Nicolas Anelka, who was uh, the French striker. At that time, and he also played in the 1998 World Cup. Uh, but uh, after the 98-9 season, I believe uh, Nicolas Anelka left the club. He wanted to join Real Madrid, and uh, in fact, uh, towards the end of his tenure, he had a bit of a uh, uh, sort of uh, you know tough relationship with Arsene Wenger. I think they 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 fell out uh, in some way. And when he left, Arsene Wenger used the money. Uh, obtained from selling uh, Nicolas Anelka not to buy a new player, uh, but rather invested that in uh, in expanding the Arsenal academy because that was really his philosophy. He wanted to create talent and not necessarily buy talent, which is why a little bit like Ajax from the 1970s, Arsenal really became uh, sort of the birthplace for uh, many talented footballers. And and we can see that in the latter half of Arsene Wenger's managerial career. Most of his uh, uh, of the uh, of his team members were young uh, players be- below the age of 25 who had uh, pretty much been handpicked from the Arsenal academy. Yeah, and the impact that that's what we um, that's what we look at. You know, that's what matters at the end of the day. The amount of impact that you create on the footballing world, and like you said, in the Ajax of 1970s and even today. Like these players are still ruling the world of football. Like Ganab, uh, Sergio Ganabri, the German international who is playing like, I mean, the he's on the best form of his life, and he's right. an Arsenal product. It's exactly. it's amusing. It's fantastic. You know? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, just as I was mentioning before, like Arsene Wenger really brought an international flavor uh, to. To uh, the English Premier League, I think what he also did was he brought a lot of professionalism into the English football culture, and particularly into the Arsenal club culture. So, uh, you know, two of the biggest contributions that he made in this regard were uh, to try and standardize the uh, the diet of players, uh, focus on fitness, much much as uh, in the game of cricket we have seen Virat Kohli recently has introduced a revolution in Indian cricket. By making fitness uh, a very important criteria, right. uh, Arsene Yard Wenger had done stick. a similar thing. Yeah, a very important yardstick, exactly. So Arsene Wenger had done a similar thing for Arsenal uh, when he first became the manager in the late nineties. Um, in fact, uh, he made the pasta and uh, uh, I think grilled chicken or boiled chicken as mandatory diet on pre-match days. Uh, 
and there was also a very strong drinking culture within the arsenal football club uh, he uh, he tried to get rid of that drinking culture as well because that affected uh, players performance and players recovery after a game uh, so uh, in a way i mean you can think of these things as as very strong examples of professionalism and he was a very thorough professional which actually allowed arsenal to uh, graduate from being a mid table uh, side to uh, one of the uh, i mean you, you can call them one of the top sides in europe at, least at, a, at at a particular point in time one of the powerhouses yeah right right so i want to narrate one of the incidents which this is one of our childhood incidents so uh, as we all know i think uh, for me and for shushreya both of us i think both of our footballism is somehow etched in that uh, rivalry between manchester united and arsenal uh, so so we grew up actually watching those rivalry but one of the incidents that was a very ugly side of the rivalry happened in uh, october 2004 when arsenal actually was defeated by manchester united in their home turf uh, and uh, and and this actually ended arsenal's 49 matches winning unbeaten streak and uh, so there was a very uh, ugly spat between the players in the dressing room and there was a pizza which was thrown at sir alex ferguson uh, which is still known as the pizza gate <laughs> incident right yes. right right all of you yeah. would be knowing that and uh, sir alex ferguson later said that this somehow Uh, uh broke down their relationship their friendship for almost 5 years so they were not in talking terms or not in, not even in, not even in communicating terms so uh, so I, and and one more or in, interesting fact is last year or probably early this year uh, there was an interview there was a talk show where uh, fabregas actually appeared it was an english talk show and as per the english media's investigation they they actually thought fabregas was the one who threw it and fabregas actually right. admitted uh, laughingly that he was the one who threw the pizza right I yeah opening the box of you know can of secrets after so many years so so this was completely hilarious but but on a this was on a very uh, uh, light note but uh, i would now uh, ask in case right. so both of you guys so in case you can share about some of the uh, excellent matches or memories uh, related to him yeah one of the funny memories that uh, we have of arsenal and arsenal wenger is during his early days at arsenal when it, there were mostly english uh, players and along with him when he came from monaco to i mean after break from monaco he was finally appointed as the arsenal coach uh, arsen who that famous coach that from the daily telegraph right uh, yeah so so in one of the pre-season matches arsenal won in austria and he gave his players a break you know to enjoy the night out so and the squad was in such disarray when he took over that the english guys went to pub for drinks and the french guys went to smoking pubs for coffee and smoke so he's regretted afterwards that such a the squad was in such disarray and how could they win the league that year and and then the, he gradually 
molded the team according to his needs and he, the standards that he sets and he signed players that suited much more of his style so from the days of tony adams uh, winning the premier league with arsene wenger and then uh, to the days of uh, thierry henry the arsenal legend over yeah. to you now so i mean uh, pick I, your hearts out uh, yeah yeah so uh, i mean lot of lot of great memories there uh, uh, so i think the incident that you just mentioned uh, happened very early in his in his managerial career uh, and uh, uh, you know when when he had brought uh, that that french revolution really into english football by bringing a lot of french players uh, arsenal was primarily uh, made of uh, of english and french players and in fact there was a time under arsen wenger when it was primarily a french dominated team uh, so i i had actually mentioned this a lot of times that just like it is very commonly mentioned that uh, the spanish team uh, benefited from the fact that a lot of the players happened to be playing for barcelona together similarly up germany were also benefited by the fact that a lot of their players played for bayern munich i think uh, the success of france in 1998 and 2000 in the euro cup when they were Uh, really the top side in europe and one of the best sides in the world even uh, i think a lot of it can be attributed to the fact that many of their top players uh, their first team players used to play together under the same club and uh, under the same manager uh, except uh, for uh, the top player of course zinedine zidane so i think that uh, had uh, a certain role to play in in france's success in uh, like the turn of the millennium uh, so uh yeah i mean so when when uh, arsen wenger joined arsenal he was really a rather unknown face because previously he had managed uh, uh, uh monaco in france with uh, some amount of success in the french league but then uh, for a couple of years he was uh, he was the coach of a uh, japanese football club in the in the japanese league called nagoya grampus and uh, uh, he joined arsenal directly from uh, from uh, the japanese uh, league so at that time he was a rather unknown face and it is also it is also believed that i think uh, i'm not sure about this 100% but i i read about this uh, in an article that uh, when arsenal joined or rather arsenal wenger joined arsenal in 1996 uh, the the great uh, dutch manager johan cruyff was also uh, among the contenders to take over uh, at at arsenal so Uh, uh many of the arsenal fans i would say probably rooted for johan cruyff him being such a big name so when arsen wenger joined the club a lot of people were disappointed uh even a lot of players within the club uh, seemed to be disappointed because they didn't know who he was and uh, uh, early on he was not very well received uh because he didn't really have that uh, that typical you know manager's flair he was he was a thorough gentleman he never used to impose himself on his players so it took a little bit of time for uh, uh players to gel well with his his style of uh, coaching but then once once they realized what this guy meant and and what his footballing philosophy was i think uh, it became it, it started a 20 year long love affair uh, which has changed arsenal football forever so uh, i think now it's time to discuss uh, some we'll discuss the whole process of the transition from uh, from being appointed as the manager in, uh, of arsenal uh, ahead of the likes of somebody uh, as great as uh, johan cruyff and then eventually 
a step by step process of building a team with a lot of characters with a lot of potentials young players some small stars or probably some budding stars building taking everybody under the same roof and eventually eventually being the invincibles so how how do you see this fact this whole transition this whole journey yeah so this was indeed a indeed a very memorable journey that started uh, right from the time in which he joined the club so when uh, Arsene Wenger joined the club. Uh, there were some very well-established club legends like uh, Tony Adams, uh, David Seaman, and Ian Wright. Uh, some of them were were kind of reaching uh, the end of their careers. Like Tony Adams uh, was on the verge of retirement. Even Ian Wright had enjoyed a very long and successful season, uh, a successful uh, career with Arsenal, ending up as uh, Arsenal's highest goal scorer at at that point in time. Um, when he first came over he he brought along with him a lot of players that that he had either managed uh, during his time in france or had seen uh, uh, sort of develop under his wings at monaco and previously at nancy so immediately uh, along alongside him uh, came the likes of uh, uh, patrick vieira who really in my opinion was uh, the 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 single most important figure in that club i don't think the importance of patrick vieira is uh, quite appreciated as much as we appreciate thierry henry or dennis burkamp but i think patrick vieira's presence was probably the single biggest influence in arsenal being the team that that they would go on to be later on um, along with yeah. patrick vieira uh, yeah I just think, to in- interrupt yeah. you uh Patrick Vieira was probably the backbone at one point of time. I mean, without the sheer valor in midfield, that kind of tackling intensity, I mean, he revolutionized uh, central defensive midfielder role to some extent. With that, uh, I mean, he was tall. He was well built, and and just yeah. to just to add uh, to what Orko is saying, I think he was one of the pioneers of that pos- position. because uh, uh, before that this city and position now we see in football it's so important position all the clubs are spending so much money to find the proper city and uh, but but exactly but 20 years before 20 years ago there the football was not this uh, not the same so city and position right. was something as as you rightly said it was revolutionized by uh, patrick vera because we right. it was it. just much much more than just uh, i mean uh, central midfield position it was like it was that protection that the wingers wanted that the other midfielders wanted uh, yeah. during the game so that they and could have the freedom of uh, you know uh, playing the uh, with the flair that they can on such yeah. occasions if they have someone at the back i mean and really a, 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 a midfielder who is equally strong in attacking and defensive situation that is that is actually the central tenet of uh, total football and in fact in modern day football if you see uh, that is one of the the uh, uh, sort of the, the major things that every manager looks for is to have uh, players in the forward line who can fall back consistently or players in the back line who can uh, who can go up and uh, and attack i think uh, uh, a lot of the teams are moving towards a very universal style of football and patrick yeah, and vieira in many ways was uh, way ahead of his and, time and we see the kantes the uh, the probably the hendersons 
or probably somebody like Schweinsteiger or or, yeah. or there are so many so many players in that position now but but before that this this position was not a very seriously taken position because normally we, right. we used to have mostly attacking midfielder or or right. balanced midfielder exactly an, an amazing exactly. fact shows uh, that uh, after uh, patrick vieras moved to man city at the end of, uh, to juventus and then back to man city towards the end of his career Arsenal mm-hmm. never found that grit in midfield anymore. They got exactly. midfielders like Matthew Flamini and mm-hmm. uh, Alexander Song, who later moved on to uh, Barcelona. Barcelona. Yeah, right. But they didn't get that grit in midfield anymore, and that was exactly. probably a reason of downfall, as many Arsenal fans like you would say. Right, right. I mean, we we have got uh, fantastic forwards after Thierry Henry. We have got the likes of uh, Robin Van Persie and, and Alexis Sanchez. And uh, right now, even Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is doing great. But um, to find a player, like it's very hard to find a replacement for someone like Patrick Vieira. And Arsenal also had decent goalkeepers. Uh, I have to say, because goalkeepers had always been very decent in Arsenal team. They, they always right. had had... Had their couple of well, except except for a while though. I mean, if, except for the time, right. which, yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. You know, David Seaman left, and before uh, uh, Jens Lehmann joined, I think that that there was a the, small the, while that we struggled with the goalkeeping position. But yeah, apart from that, I think we have been very blessed. Yes. Yeah. So, so continuing uh, to that. Yeah. Yeah. So so another player he he brought along uh, in his initial years. Uh, you guys must remember the guy who scored the last goal for France in in the '98 World Cup final. Emmanuel Petit, uh, blonde uh, guy with a ponytail. Right. Yeah, yeah. So he was another player that that he uh, that he brought along to Arsenal uh, initially, uh, and then uh, and, and also a short fact, to... a, a very yeah. uh, short fact. I, I just want to put on even Arsene Wenger's yeah. childhood name was Petit. Uh, I, I guess Petit in French means tall, and he is six feet. Yeah, tall. yeah. So even in right. his childhood, this is this is a very uh, funny coincidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, and yeah, another player who who was uh, a very underrated Arsenal star in in the late nineties was Mark Overmars from from the Netherlands, and he he also bought Mark Overmars in order to bolster uh, his style of play, which would be more uh, sort of uh, uh, you know attack minded and and more based uh, on the wings. On, yeah, based on the wings and more kind of you know aggressive, uh, requiring fast players and good uh, movers and good passers of the ball. Uh, so, uh, Mark Overmars was a very important addition to the Arsenal team in the late 90s, and of course, his understanding with uh, with uh, Dennis Bergkamp, who was who was the, the chief uh, striker of Arsenal uh, at that time, really helped. Dennis Bergkamp, of course, was uh, an Arsenal player since a year before Wenger joined, so he didn't really have to um, uh, have to play a role in in acquiring Dennis Bergkamp services into Arsenal. Uh, so, yeah, these were the major players that he brought. Initially, and and they formed the initial backbone of the team uh, that won the uh, the uh, the English Premier League and the FA Cup double in 1997-98 season, which was his first major success. Uh, and part of that team was uh, established legends like Ian Wright, who formed the attacking uh, uh, lineup along with Dennis Bergkamp, as well as. Uh, 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 Tony, uh, no Adams one, was a, uh, Tony Adams was Tony Adams. I think Kanu joined a little bit later. Uh, uh, so, so basically, Nicholas Anelka was also part of the team. He, he 
also bought Nicolas Anelka a little bit later. Uh, I think uh, in his second year as a manager. And Nicolas Anelka was uh, formed that uh, that striking trio along with Dennis Bergkamp and Ian Wright uh, in in that right. phase of his his managerial career. But uh, uh, Nicolas Anelka, fun fact that yeah. uh, he he was before Latan Ibrahimovic. He was right. the player who has the highest accumulated sum or transfer fees because he he went on transfer probably every season every season and, <laughs> yeah he was he was like moving around all he, he all even came period, to yeah. india to play in the isl with right. mumbai i right. guess and and yeah. apart from united i think he has played for most of the big clubs in england right. exactly right. Exactly. And one fun fact about Dennis Barkham was that he had uh, fear of flights. He couldn't yep. uh, fly and that's why he used to always take a train to travel or bus right. to travel. And hence so, in uh, European nights, he was mostly unavailable on, uh, I mean, in, if were, Arsenal was playing in countries far away. Yeah, and that actually affected Arsenal a lot, uh, uh, especially in the 98-99 season when Ian Wright had retired. Uh, it really right. left them with only Anelka as the only strike, uh, you know, only striking option, option in in the away Champions League games. So I think that is primarily what prompted him to strike uh, to to sign uh, Nwanko Kanu mid-season in the in the winter transfer window. Uh, uh, Nwanko Kanu, of course, was uh, uh, a striker from Nigeria, a very famous striker, and uh, and uh, again one of the I would say underrated Arsenal stars of that that point in time. And his addition to the side was a very major uh, addition because Arsenal, uh, you know, came uh, came back from a very uh, uh, unstable position in the 1998-99 uh, season uh, to pose a serious challenge to Manchester United. And in, the, in fact, they ended up uh, very close second to Man United in that season. Uh, and then after that season, uh, when Nicolas Anelka left for Real Madrid, uh, Arsenal had to sign uh, a few replacements, and uh, so they, they they signed two people uh, at the end of that season. One of them was an established star of world football, the winner of the Golden Boot from from uh, France '98, Davos Shukar uh, of Croatia, and the other one was a relatively unknown uh, face uh, at that point in time. He he was part of the World Cup winning French team in 1998, but not a regular starter. Uh, his name, of course, uh, would uh, would later go on to be very famous in English Premier League history. And of course, I'm talking about Thierry Henry. So Thierry Henry's story with Arsenal is actually uh, uh, a, a very significant uh, story uh, behind Arsenal's success story in, in under Arsene Wenger. Uh, he used to play as a winger initially in his days uh, at uh, uh, as you know, as a young player at Monaco, and later on when he when he went to Juventus, Juventus. and when Arsenal Arsenal bought him from Juventus, he was actually uh, going through a very low point in his career. He had, uh, the the previous season he was mostly injured, and he didn't get a lot of games under his belt. Uh, so uh, when Arsenal uh, acquired the services of Thierry Henry, one of the things that they did was they made him an out and out forward, and paired him with Dennis Bergkamp uh, for that particular season. Uh, and that really became the trigger point in Thierry Henry's career. It made him into it made him play in a completely different way. Yes, uh, many would still argue that even as a forward, he would prefer to go uh, uh, to operate a little bit from the wings, and he would play almost like a 
like a winger. But, uh, you know, that style of play was really, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, I would say the arrowhead of Arsenal's, uh, uh, you know, strike force uh, under, under, uh, uh, under Arsene Wenger. But, but I, so, think, I think Thierry Henry also brought a bit of versatility to that. that uh, the, we were used to seeing that typical forward genre of players. But suddenly we yeah. saw Thierry Henry who also prefers running from the flanks or, or uh, loves, loves the space in the flanks. So, so I think that right. added, yeah. he, added a lot he of He also has, a, has this, had this knack of dropping in between the defensive and the midfield line to collect yeah. balls from the midfield. And then those long-range curlers into the far corner, those, those were beauties. You know, that moment we... Probably everyone, I mean, every, whether it is a Manchester United fan or Chelsea, whoever you, you would support, you can't deny the beauty of those goals. And, and he's, right. he's one of those rare uh, players who played in England and managed to dribble past uh, so many players with that ease. Not many players who played in England managed to do, do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that thing, uh, that it's, it's a very common saying about any good dribbler that uh, would they be able to do it on a wet night in Stoke City? Uh, but Thierry Henry did that so many times in his career that that you can't, you just can't deny uh, his his uh, impact on English football at that point in time. And uh, as you mentioned, like, he's he's universally loved. I mean, I have so many friends and I've met so many people who have support different clubs in English football, but all of them are pretty much united in their opinion about Thierry Henry. He was just you know he's just like one of those players like Steven Gerrard or uh, Ryan Giggs. He's just universally loved. Uh, and not just a phenomenon. He was just, uh, yeah, he was universally loved and respected by across uh, and, football clubs. And obviously, uh, we have to mention the reception he got uh, when he rejoined Arsenal. So, so exactly. that was also special. And, and his goal, that that celebration, right? Every football yeah, it fan was in Sunderland, right? Uh, Sunderland. I don't, I don't clearly remember the opponent, but I, but I do it, remember it, the it, goal. Uh, it he was came in as a substitute. Equalizer, right? Yeah, it was, it, it was an equalizer, and uh, no, I think it was a winner, if I'm not mistaken. And one more thing: the day, the day uh, the news he came out, he came in as a sub. Yeah, yeah. The day the news came out that he's rejoining Arsenal, I still remember your uh, social media post, which said the king is back. So, yes. so, so that that is something I clearly remember till date. Yeah, but I, I still mean, prefer, was... you know, the memories that we had in Highbury. I mean, Highbury right. was such a close clown and probably as an Arsenal fan, you would also support this view. I mean, the change of stadium didn't probably suit Arsenal at the end of the day. It probably did not. But you, but you understand, you sort of see the need behind it because Arsenal were no longer, uh, you know, just a, a famous English club. They were uh, uh, sort of a, a universally supported team and uh, they required better stadiums, better infrastructure, more capacity. Uh, you know, just, you know, better uh, space for the media, things like that. Uh, and Emirates Stadium really offered them yeah. that. So, you, you can see that financially or, or technically there was there was a need for that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if you are sort of, you know, a traditional supporter Arsenal, of Arsenal, you, you, you would also, probably understand that yeah, it didn't suit Arsenal the way we expected exactly. it would. And they had to, you know, curb the transfer. Some, I mean, the transfer budget most of the time just to, you know, finance the stadium. And Arsene Wenger had a lot of hand in, you know, stabilizing the whole economy of the club. 
right. at one point of time i guess arsenal was the only club in england who were having a profit out of the whole right. business of football right 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 i mean uh, uh, he i think he understood the importance of of uh, that sustenance the whole the whole idea of squad building and not just uh, uh, you know squad building is not just about acquiring players it is also about building the image of the club right uh, absolutely and, uh, absolutely so you now you can't do it without without yeah true true that absolutely so so how lovely are these memories these are all our childhood memories and and, and it's lovely that we are reliving those days uh, tonight so so uh, so and that is what this whole podcast is all about so one more uh, one more fact is uh, since uh, arsenal changed their stadium i think somehow mm-hmm. their consistency in the game reduced and uh, this was not only because of the change of stadium because that that is hardly a factor because but i i think there must be other factors also that actually uh, led to the downfall of arsenal team i won't say downfall downfall is too harsh a word but somehow arsenal team was not that con- uh, consistent uh, after uh, 2005 or 6 so so would you like to say uh, elaborate about that uh, yeah i mean of course uh, just a while back we were discussing about how the stadium changed in suit arsenal uh, i don't completely subscribe to that view because i don't Uh, feel uh, that uh, the stadium change itself was that big an effect, but there was a lot happening around that uh, that particular incident that uh, that I think uh, probably affected uh, Arsenal's immediate fate. Uh, so I mean, as Orko just mentioned, that because of uh, the financial aspect associated with the change of stadium and building a new stadium, Arsenal had to uh, uh, were like sort of. Uh, they became a selling club. The spending, right? They became a selling club. Yeah, the transfer budget was, yeah, the transfer budget was highly restricted, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so uh, a lot of the team that uh, that won the the trip or uh, won the the uh, uh, became the invincible team in two thousand three four was actually built over time. If you if you see, uh, Dennis Bergkamp, Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira, Freddie Lundberg. Robert Pires, uh, all of them had been part of Arsenal. Even in the defense line, if you see Ashley Cole, Saul Campbell, all these guys, uh, they had been uh, built or they had been uh, sort of you know inducted the system for four, five, six years. In some cases, even more. Uh, and then around that time, I think the, uh, the the change of stadium happened in the 2006 season. All of these players had uh, pretty much reached the end of their. Uh, of their peak, uh, they were pretty much past or their transferred. Uh, Some were transferred. Or transferred. Too, right? I think, right, right. I mean, I mean, Ashley one of the main incidents, of course, we would all agree was, yeah, mm-hmm. Ashley Cole's transfer uh, to uh, to Chelsea. Chelsea. Right. I think we got transferred right. to Chelsea initially. Right. So then uh, Thierry Henry's to to Barcelona was another major blow. I would say. Uh, I mean. You can understand Thierry Henry's ambitions that he wanted uh, a player of his stature wanted to win the Champions League, which he which he also did. Um, and I think the uh, the loss in the two thousand five six final was actually, uh, although I, I I considered that to be one of the high points in my uh, in my memory as an Arsenal supporter, the two thousand five six Champions League uh, journey. But it also happened to be a big blow because for a lot of players like Henry and Patrick Vieira, uh, they uh, it. Kind of uh, 
put an end to their hopes of winning Champions League with their Arsenal team and the thought of uh, moving their careers forward and uh, and joining other teams where they had a better chance. Uh, if Arsenal had won that uh, particular game against Barcelona, maybe things could have been different. Maybe oh. Henry would have stayed back. Maybe we could have attracted some some more uh, uh, players from uh, top players from other leagues uh, to replace some of the aging players. And things the story could might well have been very different. I, I uh, can feel that this then, is, uh, these are things coming out of your straight from your heart. I mean. These are exactly. things Arsenal supporters would never say in front of, you know, the uh, banters, during banters with especially the Manchester United supporters. Right, right. I mean, it's it's a big uh, uh, a point of regret, I think, uh, that the fact what that ifs? we couldn't win that game. I mean, there was a, an early red card uh, yeah. to the goalkeeper against Lehman, so, so we were reduced to 10 right. men. We still put up a very good fight against a, a top Barcelona team at that point in time. Uh, we in fact scored the first goal, uh, but uh, we couldn't Campbell. hold on. And we ended up, yeah, Sol Campbell with the header, and then we, we couldn't hold on, and we we lost that game. So um, maybe, and uh, we don't know how things would have turned out, but maybe things would have been different if we had won that. So yeah, that happened, and uh, also the fact that uh, uh, another thing which which we I think don't often talk about was the fact that uh, around the same time as uh, the stadium shift happened. Uh, a lot of uh, money started to be poured into English Premier League from uh, from uh, sort of external sources like Roman Abramovich became the owner of Chelsea, and uh, you know immediately what happened was he he used all the all that uh, uh, that money into really you know prioritizing the, the transfer budget as one of the the key building blocks of his uh, of the new Chelsea revolution that we that we all know about. So, and also, uh, for also a lot the of fact, the players, just just yeah. to just to interrupt, also the fact oil money also uh, started uh, finding their place in the uh, in the sterling pound industry. Right, exactly, exactly. So what that did is completely change the transfer market dynamics of that point in time. So a lot of uh, the the players from from different clubs, uh, when they had an option, they would they would rather move to a club which could which could pay them more money. Than uh, to move to Arsenal, so Arsenal kind of fell behind in that transfer race. Uh, exactly, this uh, as is one of to the many other, many other clubs. One one of yeah. the things about Arsene Wenger that he would never spend one extra penny on a player that he felt was costing at some I mean some sum of money, and uh, right. he was he was like I would only pay what a player deserves to be paid, and that is why it was. An amazing uh, transfer sum that was offered to Liverpool at one point of time that they paid his, uh, I mean, 50 million was probably his uh, release clause that the clause Mm -hmm. that the players have in their contracts to if that amount of money is paid and they would, the player would immediately be released from the ongoing contract at the existing club and they paid one pound extra. I mean, like that was a stunning uh, show of arrogance on his part, as some might yeah. say. And Suarez yeah. was the was a superstar at that time, and had he been transferred to Arsenal, that would been would have been another story. Exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, these these were major factors, and that's actually one of the reasons why Arsenal were not able to hold on to many of their homegrown talents. I mean, we all know about what happened to Cesc Fabregas and Samir Nasri. 
Gail Clichy, um, right. uh, you know, Colo Touré, all, all of these guys, they really started their career from Arsenal. And, and most, most importantly, Van Persie. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll definitely <laughs> come to him. I think as a as an Arsenal supporter, talking to a Manchester United fan, that is one of the the biggest uh, sort of points of regret or uh, is it? You know, the I, biggest I, complaints, I, biggest complaints is, that I have. Yeah. Is it sure? Because I guess the one of the biggest regrets you might be having is Arsene Wenger scouting Ronaldo first, but Alex oh, uh, Alex Ferguson. Well, <laughs> well yeah. But, but snapped is, him I off. Mean, it is often said I mean, uh, Van Bar- Van Persie is the second best uh, thing that happened to United from Arsenal. Uh, you want to know what is right? the first? The first one is the eight two eight two defeat. Oh eight two. Okay, <laughs> I thought you would say Ronaldo was the first. Okay, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, sure, I know sure. we are getting one into more. a little bit of football banter and one more one To be honest, as an as an Arsenal fan, and yeah, that, uh, that's my question. That's my question. That. Yeah. Uh, how does it feel being an Arsenal fan? I mean, winning eight uh, trophies, I mean, trophyless seasons, and then finally having two FA Cups on your bag. I mean, how does it feel being an Arsenal supporter? And, and also being the most successful English club uh, when it comes to FA Cup. Yeah, well, uh, when, when I'm going through a tough situation in life and someone asks me, I'm just saying this on a lighter note, when, when I'm going through any, any tough situation in life and some, when someone asks me, are you okay or or like how are you feeling? I say, uh, trust me, I'm an Arsenal fan. I've seen worse. Exactly. So, that was a, one of the so, memes yeah. doing rounds. Yeah. Exactly. I mean that that's uh, for for some it's a meme. For me, it's it's the reality of my life. Life. But right. yeah, I mean it's it's. I, I guess it's fine. I mean you you on a serious note. I mean you understand uh, some of these things. Uh, you you do get frustrated because uh, as a fan, of course, you always want your team to win. Uh, but uh, you know, I mean, um, when I interact with a lot of the people uh, from today's generation, like uh, my, people from my family, my my cousins or my uh, you know nephews or whatever, and uh, they, when they talk to me, they're like they can't understand why I'm an Arsenal fan because they've never seen that that era of Arsenal. But uh, you know, the only thing I say to them is that you know, just because your team is not playing as well as well as it used to, doesn't mean that you stop supporting them. You support them through thick and thin. That is what being a supporter is all about. I mean, even if Arsenal is relegated, I would still continue supporting them. So, Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the spirit because, uh, because uh, nowadays a lot of kids have started asking me, why do you support Manchester United? So, right. so, uh, so I, right. that, I mean, they, the they, they have definitely no idea of the glory days that we, we have seen yes. growing up. When English, football, when English football used to be red and not blue. Right. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, so so now coming on to the to the farewell part. Suddenly, uh, after so many seasons, uh, Arsene Wenger uh, Arsene Wenger decided to call it a day, and then there was a huge media. There was a there was a storm in the media. There was a storm in the social media. Everybody was talking, and and everybody uh, came to the same conclusion that that it's it's a chapter getting it's a chapter getting over in English football. So, so how how did you react to his uh, when he decided to uh, step down? I will be very honest about this. I uh, I think it probably happened uh, maybe one or two seasons too late. Uh, we kind of saw it coming, and I'm not uh, I'm not meaning this out of any disrespect for Wenger. I have the utmost respect and regard for what he did as a manager and what he did to the club, but. Uh, 
uh, you have, we have seen this before in in sports uh, in other sports as well that maybe some uh, for some sports persons or for some managers they probably uh, uh, sort of you know uh, keep playing or keep managing beyond their shelf life i think that's something that happened to arsenal uh, after a point in time i think after maybe uh, around the time when which uh, he couldn't hold on to uh, sanchez's services services anymore i think from around that time you could kind of see that uh, uh, arsenal wenger's uh, days at arsenal were over and uh, you know i mean we mentally we were pretty only, much prepared that only that, one thing i can say that that dialogue from dark night that you either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain wow that, that's such a wonderful uh, you know wonderful uh, uh, and yeah, app, i would say yeah apt way to sum it up uh, in my my book though he's never become a villain i think he's always going to be a hero and he is indeed yeah, it, a, a was, major hero it was tainted his image was tainted at the end part of it and all, you know, everything yeah, became so i think he just left a, yeah he just left a bad taste in the mouth for many of the fans Exactly, uh, but I mean, it, it's it's okay. I mean, I think as as someone who has done so much for the club, he probably, uh, I think, just looking at it from another point of view, probably deserved that uh, those extra two three years just to just as a as an attempt to try and redeem himself and maybe you know try and go back on uh, go out on a high. It is unfortunate that it didn't happen, uh, but uh, you know it would have been wonderful if if he. Uh, if he had won one of those seasons exactly. i mean to be honest or to be fair to him he did come close on a few occasions and uh, you know one of the things that i must mention here and uh, i don't think we have we have gone through this in this discussion uh, till now is that uh, right from his first premier league win in 97 98 up to the 2000 uh, uh, i believe the 2014 15 season uh, uh, maybe i'm i'm wrong by one season here and there uh continuously arsenal ended up in among the top 14 teams and they qualified for the uh, for the champions league i think that is unprecedented uh, no add, other team yeah exactly just to add to this and he never finished below tottenham i mean even <laughs> yeah, the one yeah. season uh, with the i mean the with the brilliance of harry kane and dele ali they managed right. to be on uh, over Arsenal in the ratings for quite some period i mean the standings of right. uh, EPL but eventually he did manage to overtake them and that's the right thing you know just one last uh, question for a lot of for a lot of traditional arsenal mm-hmm. fans that might be a big thing personally uh, exactly. when i used to when I, when i started watching football tottenham were really not a competition for arsenal so yeah for me the arsenal tottenham rivalry was never really that and the north rivalry. north london uh, are they rivalry, still one right. are they still yeah one? right right are they still are they still one uh, you you mean a rival yeah you mean a rival yeah i mean a rival oh right now of course right right now of course <laughs> right now tottenham is is a better team than arsenal uh, to put it very simply uh, and uh, you know we all know why that That's happened something to hear because, from a gunner fan right i mean I'm 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 a Gunner fan, but I'm also honest. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that you are, that you are definitely. And one last question: Do you think Arsene Wenger would return to management anytime in the future? I personally would love to see him. And, and maybe I mean I don't know about that. Uh, uh, maybe I think uh, give, given the fact, given his age, uh, 
I think uh, maybe it's uh, he won't be returning to uh, any top-flight football or any major uh, uh, European league or something. But we may. I mean, he still has so much of knowledge, so much of experience, and such a lot to offer. So maybe in yeah, some yeah, capacity, yeah. Uh, he might still be involved in in some management. Right maybe. now, he's the FIFA, FIFA advisor at uh, you know for the growth of African football. Right. So he's in that right. heading that uh, chair in that committee. And also, right. And that's a very also some of yeah. the European uh, newspapers reported that he was offered the Barcelona job, and which he exactly just, he just took uh, minutes to reject that. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really see him uh, at this age, uh, you know, getting back to top flight football. But I think, um, you know, his like his involvement with uh, with you know growing football in Africa. I think uh, he he has such a big role to play in uh, uh, sort of you know shaping the future of young footballers. That I think he still has a lot to offer in in that capacity. Absolutely. So how lovely are these watch from from a fanboy who has supported Gunners not for uh, a year or two, but probably for the for two uh, two decades. So uh, with this, we come uh, to the end of this episode. But but we are not going to end this without a, a fun fun event. So uh, I would rather ask Shushrev to uh, to just uh, tell me a dream eleven of Arsenal team of his choice or may, with with preferably players he has watched. Right. Okay. So that that's a very interesting exercise. Uh, let me let let me just take a moment uh, to uh, to plan out my formation. So okay. So, so, so I'm I'm looking at it. Right. I'm looking at a at a typical four four two formation. I mean, I know that that Wenger didn't always follow a four four two formation, but just uh, for some standardization, I'm going with four four two. So uh, my goalkeeper would be. Uh, Jens Leven, I mean, I, you may argue that there have been better goalkeepers to have played for Arsenal, but I think Jens Lehmann being part of that Invincibles team just has a special place in my heart. And I think, um, you know, I, I personally used to be very fond of him as a and, goalkeeper. And, I think he, Jens, he was really a very strong Jens Lehmann replaced Oliver Kahn in 2006 World Cup. So, so we, right. we, we yeah. can see how big a goalkeeper he is. Yeah, he was definitely one of the one of the top goalkeepers uh, in Europe at that time. So my four defenders uh, would be at, at the center. I will have Sol Campbell, the heartbeat of of Arsenal backline uh, in that uh, invincible season. Along with him, I will have Kolo Toure. Uh, Kolo Toure again, very interesting story. Uh, uh, he didn't start off as a defender. He started off as a as a midfielder, more of an attacking player. But uh, because of the lack of centre backs. Uh, around that time when um, Sol Campbell's career was coming to an end and Arsenal were really struggling to find proper uh, centre-backs. Wenger converted him into a centre-back and he later on became one of the most sought-after centre-backs in European football. Uh, so yeah, that's that's his story. So he will be my second centre-back. My left-back would be Ashley Cole. Uh, again, a very important member of the Invincibles team. And my right-back, uh, I would go with uh, Hector Bellerin from the current squad. From the current squad, I think he's an excellent, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, player who can uh, who can combine attack with defense. One of the fastest players. He has pitch. some pace. Uh, I mean, yeah, some so, sizzling so, I mean, space down the right. Right. So, so he'll be very instrumental in in 
creating some of those counter attacks down the right flank. Uh, my four midfielders, I will go in with two people just playing a little deep in the midfield. They would be Patrick Vieira and Cesc Fabregas. I think Cesc Fabregas being uh, the chief playmaker of this of this side. And then on the two wings, uh, uh, I will probably go with. Uh, uh, and it's, it's it's very hard to select here between. Uh, I'll give you four options, and I'll go with two out of these uh, these four options. Uh, the four options are Robert Pires, Freddie Lundberg, uh, Alexis Sanchez, uh, who I will I'm considering for a for a wing position, and Mesut Ozil. So if I have to select any two from them, I would probably go with Mesut Ozil on the left and Robert Pires on the right. Uh, but you know, I can equally replace any of them with any of the other names I just mentioned. And my two forwards would be uh, Thierry Henry and uh, Robin Van Persie. I mean, with I really want to select Dennis Burkamp there, but <laughs> but yeah, that I goal, mean, Newcastle. I, 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 I love mean. that. Okay, so so <laughs> the reason why I am going with Robin Van Persie uh, is because. I never saw the peak of Dennis Bergkamp. Uh, when I started watching Arsenal play, I think that was when Dennis Bergkamp was pretty much past his peak, and he was not not a regular starter in all games. Like he uh, he used to be a partner for Thierry Henry, but then uh, uh, you know every now and then other people like Kanu or Will Tord would play. Uh, and, and uh, you know he was he was definitely uh, you know in, in the legacy of Arsenal football his name would come right up at the top and I have no doubt about the fact that he was he was actually you know if you consider the the, the career in entirety he was he was a far greater striker than Robin Van Persie but just because of from based on what I saw and uh, uh, based on the fact that Van Persie almost single-handedly uh, won Arsenal the season. Uh, before he left for Man United, I think that was a major achievement. So, although I I I, I am not happy about the fact that he left Arsenal and joined Man United, I would still have him there because I think uh, he also offers a slightly different option to to uh, Thierry Henry. Thierry Henry is more of a person who can who can create. He's more of a playmaking striker, whereas uh, uh, Robin Van Persie is is more of an out and out striker with a fantastic uh, you know shot making abilities. So. Uh, and again, I mean, if you replace him with Dennis Bergkamp, I would definitely have no complaints about that. But that's just my my choice. Yeah, perfect. You you stuck stuck to the instructions. I mean, Mayuk told you that the players that you have seen playing. Yeah. I mean. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, because the fact is, uh, there, there are some um, um, there are some guys of fifties and sixties whom I uh, often discuss football with. So whenever I ask them to make a dream eleven, they come up with uh, players' names. They are great, but I don't even know how good were they because I've never seen them watching. So any time right. when I do this, I always put this condition that uh, yeah. with players whom, whom you have seen. Yeah, I mean I I have oh. definitely seen uh, seen the great uh, some of the great matches of Dennis Bergkamp, but I would still say that uh, the major part of Dennis Bergkamp's peak was sort of mid to late nineties. Uh, and I I didn't watch a lot of football back then, so uh, it would be fair for me to to say that I watched more of uh, Robin Van Persie than I did of Dennis Bergkamp. 
absolutely yeah. so oh, thank you so thank much for thank you sir and and yeah, thank just, you sure i just want to end it with one of the beautiful quotes of uh, mr arsen wenger so arsen wenger was uh, once quoted uh, he said uh, a football team is like a beautiful woman when you do not tell her she forgets she is beautiful so i think this <laughs> this perfectly sums up uh, the style of play which he had opted and the style of play which he believed in and uh, that is how he built the le- legacy which is uh, which which uh, very few managers in the world even think of have, having so having said that uh, thank you so um, thank you so much rushreya for joining us uh, so uh, once again thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy sh- schedule and i'm sure orko you want to end it yeah so that was a very i mean heart touching at times and shushu i must say that you are the most gentlemanly reflection of uh, you know arsen wenger as an arsenal fan i mean i expected more banter on manchester <laughs> well yeah thank you guys thank you so much for for calling me it was the pleasure was all mine i had a lot of fun uh, reliving childhood memories and uh, you know discussing about my favorite club and my favorite manager um uh, so yeah i would i would love to to have the opportunity to come back again in future if, if uh, definitely if we are looking forward to that we are looking forward yeah and that. also also to all the listeners of this podcast all the citizens i would uh, definitely encourage you to to watch this space for more exciting content uh, please like share and subscribe to this channel uh, and uh, yeah keep following football and keep loving the beautiful game and also uh, uh, let me tell all of you that uh, i and shushreya are in the process of uh, starting a cricket podcast so it will be uh, coming um, sometime soon so we both are working on that so that would also uh, so that that uh, all the cricket fans also can join us there yeah uh, so just as moyuk mentioned uh, we are uh, we have already recorded the first episode and we are yet to release it uh, the cricket podcast is is mostly going to be about uh, uh, reliving memories of uh, teams that we have watched growing up and uh, uh, important moments important matches uh, or you know the legacy of certain certain cricketers certain styles uh, and the format is going to be uh, not very different from uh, this particular podcast but it's just going to be focused on cricket uh, and yeah uh, keep watching this space for more in, uh, information on that podcast which should be releasing soon thanks so thanks mayuk thank you so much everyone thank you thank you thank you guys